Welcome back to This Week at Windsor. This is Jonathan Hoffman filling in for Arden Beach behind the desk. This may or may not be our second recording because someone <laughs> forgot to hit record. I am joined uh, by Bree Bond, our special guest. Welcome, Bree. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Now, if you have not been keeping up with the church calendar and what's going on in the life of our church, Bree is going to be coming in October for three consecutive Sunday nights, the 8th, the 15th, and the 22nd. And she's going to be sharing with us, leading us in a conversation about reclaiming God's good design for sex. So we're really hopeful that you can come out, but we thought it'd be good to get you on, Bree. Tell us a bit about your story. Um, yeah, so tell us a bit about you. What do you do for a living? What's your sort of life set up at the moment? Yeah, so I am the principal's EA at um, Norwest Christian College, which is where I met you and Joanna, um, and our boys are friends, which is lovely. Um, we uh, live local to here, and uh, my husband works at Russell Anglican College, uh, we've been married for 14 years this year. That's great. Well, um, this is a topic that uh, I know a lot of people are interested in and interested to hear about, but I want to start with getting to know you spiritually a little bit. Can you tell us, this is a question we like to ask people who come on uh, this podcast. Can you tell us about your journey to faith? What was what was it like kind of learning to learning about Jesus, learning to put your trust in him? Yes, I was really fortunate to grow up in a family that um, that has always loved Jesus, and so we've been to church uh, every Sunday. I mean, I did have moments where I wanted to, you know, fake sleeping in as a child. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, that's you know, church has kind of always just been part of our rhythm of life, and so growing in in my faith in the Lord has been uh, and will be a lifelong journey. But it's always just been a constant that even when life you know gets in the way and and the craziness of life happens. God is always faithful and he is always um, consistent and he is always good. So you're going to be talking about sex. You said you've been married for 14 years. Uh, tell us a bit about your husband and getting to know him and how did you guys meet? What was the context for your relationship and yeah, into marriage? Yeah. Yeah, so we uh, met when we were 12 at our youth group. Whoa, 12 years old. 12 years old. Um, and uh, it's a bit funny actually. So met met at youth group at 12 um, started dating at youth camp at 19 and then had our first kiss at the church car park. Oh, wow. It's very, Classic. very godly beginnings. <laughs> Classic Christian love story. <laughs> kiss in the car um, park. Kiss, yeah. Was the pastor still there? And no, no, it's not. <laughs> um, it was, uh, but we started as friends. I think that was really, really key for us. Um, so we were kind of acquaintances during high school. He was really annoying and just one of those guys on the periphery um but we became friends and we're probably good friends for a few years and um which I think was actually really key because then you you know you get to know each other and get to love each other without the pressure um and you we saw each other at our worst and he still loved me and I think that was that was really pivotal for me to think oh this guy's hanging around and um you know, there must be something here um so that was a really kind of special start I may or may not have been a guy on the periphery before. That's a great phrase. You should trademark that. I think every guy is wondering, like, how do I get off the periphery into the? Uh, but anyway, so friend you, zone. Yeah, out of the friend zone. That's right. Um, so, so you guys met, um, and you know, as you look back on your your story, because I feel like it's maybe not the typical romance story now, even for Christians. I know, I know, uh, young Christians who you know, first port of call is. 
Christian dating sites, and and yeah, and, and that's how the relationship kicks off, and that's and, and that's how it goes. But I guess as you look back on your particular story of getting together with Scott, what do you think was special about it? Was there anything kind of unique, uh, anything, anything sort of maybe different from today that that maybe you cherish, or maybe were there some things that made it more difficult than than people might understand as they think through that? Um, yeah, so I haven't had experience with dating apps, but um, I I really feel sorry for anyone who's trying to find someone in this current environment. Um, I think every culture and every generation has their own challenges, but um, for me it was super helpful to start with a friendship um, and to know that you have that solid foundation before you could bring anything else into it. But I know that that's obviously not everybody's experience. And so, you know, hats off to anybody who meets online. I think it's um it's a really unique experience. And um and I've got some friends who have done that and it's been successful and they're happily married and um and have kids and that's it's a great news story. But um but I know that's not everybody's experience as well. Mm. Uh, well, you're talking about a topic that's for some people maybe not heard much in church. I wonder, can you tell us a bit about your personal, your personal exposure to this topic in church as a young person was, was sex talked about? Did you, did you learn much? Did, did you have to kind of learn later on? What were, where were the sources of reliable information for you as a girl who came up through the church? Yeah. Um, we know sex was not really talked about. Mm. Um, youth group, there were talks about, you know, it's bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, and then that obviously brings a whole lot of baggage when you, um, when you all of a sudden get married and you no longer have to be Bible with the part, and uh, Bible and, with the part, that's <laughs> and you can now, you know, you're supposed to flick a switch and just know that you're able to be intimate with someone when, you know, you've fallen in love with them and you've had that journey, but you haven't been able to go there. It's weird. It carries a whole lot of shame and a whole lot of. Um, possibly guilt and frustration and confusion and and I think the church uh, has a long history of not handling it very well <laughs> um, if I can say that um, so if you could go back in time and grab a coffee with your I don't know 18 19 year old self you know um, Scott's on the horizon he's moved out of the boys on he's not one of the boys on the periphery anymore and he's now he's now the man in the middle um tell us what would that conversation be like with yourself if you could if you could say hey here's here's the wisdom of you in the future and here's some things that you may want to keep in mind mm. what do you think you would say uh it's really interesting you ask that question because i'm looking at your bookshelf and there are four the big picture bibles <laughs> and i was just literally going to say i think i would look at the big picture mm. um of God's plan for my life and to know that sex is not the only thing that he wants for me. Mm. It's a good thing and he's created it and he's designed us all in um, as sexual beings, but it's not the be all and end all. That's easy to say as a married woman, but hard to hear as someone who's dating or, or hasn't been able to go there yet. I really resonated with what you were saying about the church's emphasis on what not to do and where the, where the boundary is. And if I can share a little bit of our experience, my experience with Joanna, and we've talked about this um, in public settings before, but I think for both of us who came out of Christian homes and grew up in the church, sex was a taboo topic and you didn't really talk about it. Your parents didn't really want to talk about it. You didn't want your parents to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and then, and then you're, you're in a dating relationship. And I remember um, a lot of the kind of conventional wisdom that I got as a young man was, well, we know you can't 
exercise self-control as a man in this scenario. But if you find a Christian woman who's really strong, she'll exercise that control for you, which if you think about it, is just horrible and wrong Mm. (laughs) on so many levels. But that was a lot of the conventional wisdom. And so I think in our experience, we were surprised by two things there. One was um, when you're in a relationship that's healthy, God's wired it to promote intimacy and that intimacy is wired to express itself in physical intimacy, you know, that emotional connection, you know, those hours on the phone, the, Mm. you know, the long walks and, 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 and talks and things like that. That's, that's just a precursor to, you know, ultimately you want to involve your body in that kind of level of intimacy. And so the idea that, well, we're just going to subscribe to this line of thought and teaching, I think, Neither of us, neither Joanne and I were prepared that actually we want to throw that out the window mm-hmm. now because we're feeling so close. I think the second thing that was a bit of a surprise was we've been told which line not to cross, but you don't realize that there's a whole, there's a whole lot of maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> arrows before you get to the line <laughs> that are meant to say, actually, this is probably not a healthy space. And so they can sort of bring their own shame. And, and, um, so, you know, even if you might not quote unquote, do the deed, Mm. you can do a lot of other things that leave you feeling less than, you know, um, and I think, yeah. And I think if the church is not, not teaching on this topic, then people do what I do, what I did, sorry, which is learn from friends or learn from movies. And, um, I had Christian friends, but you know, there's still that, um, that worldly focus. Um, and so I think the church has a huge responsibility to um, teach well on this topic and to um, and to also be a safe place for people, not only in the church, but outside of the church. That's a huge point. Because if we can't support uh, people who are either like both within the fold and not, if we can't support people through this, um, we're not showing the love of Jesus. Um, and if we can't love in, an, in a non-judgmental way through really complex and intense and emotional um, and shameful experiences in, in people's lives, then, uh, yeah, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't show Jesus' love to people who really need it. You've expressed well that this is a topic people think about and you can't flick on the television without realizing that oh. everyone's thinking and talking about it all the time. But I wonder, can you share a little bit of your journey to actually be willing to speak and engage in this what what led to that yeah so um about maybe 15 months ago i started leading a young adults bible study group um, and the first topic that we we studied together was my decision it was about women in the bible and how god treated women how jesus in each every interaction he would you know restore their dignity and their honor and in a shame honor culture that that's enormous Mm. and then I said to them okay what do you want to study next and someone said sex and then they just all got super excited I nearly fell on the floor (laughs) Um, but but from that conversation we just yeah kept talking about it and then I obviously prayed a lot about it because I thought I'm you know not a sex bird I've done it but I'm not a (laughs) sex bird and so um thought I don't I don't know if I'm capable and and able to speak into this topic and um and I really felt like God just opened doors to um, the resources that I needed and um, and just that willing heart, I guess, that I didn't realise I had. And hearing their stories has has really helped and, and made me think, yeah, okay, this needs to be something that, that needs to, you know, a conversation needs to start here. Having heard those stories and heard some of those questions, did they strike you as new or different than the questions that you were asking when you were 
maybe in that stage of life? No, not really. They mm. were they were very similar. Um, you know, the the age old how far is too far, and um, and just the does it really say in the Bible you can't have sex before marriage, mm. <laughs> and and so mm. what do you do with that? And so that's yeah, that's been part of our our conversation. So we studied that for maybe about four months or so. And it was, it was great. We talked a lot about things like sexual integrity, like how do you align, um, it's a bit of a teaser, but how do you align um, your sexual choices with the promises that you've made to God um, and how do you have integrity in that? So as you look to uh, unpack this topic for us, what are some things that maybe you've kind of come, stumbled into along the way and uh, are there any sort of nuggets you're look, you could maybe tease us with um, as we prepare to yeah, engage in this conversation? Um, yes, yeah, so we'll be talking through um, a biblical framework for making good sexual choices. It's, um, it's the work of Dr. Julie Slattery. So she's a, she wrote the, the study that I did with my girls. Um, it's called Sex and a Single Girl. Um, and I highly recommend it. Even as a married woman, I thought, oh, there's so much gold in here. And she talks about, she talks very openly about um, all sorts of things, sex, pornography, um, just how do, you, how do you relate to people? How do you love people? How do you honour God through um, all of those complexities? I actually, I'm following a um, on Instagram. Don't judge me. <laughs> An Instagram <laughs> reference, but um, there's uh, there's this lady. She calls herself the Christian sex educator. Okay. And her story really resonated with mine about how how I had learned about sex as a child, and mm. then how that's been brought into my marriage. Mm. Um, she shares her um, experience, and it says, at some point during my young life, Mum sat uh, my older brother and I down to have the talk. I don't know if this is your experience, but this is definitely mine. Um, I think my mum had read somewhere, like, just bring it up naturally. And so it was at my brother's football game. Oh, my. <laughs> um, it was very bizarre. Um, but we sat, this lady's story, we sat on either side of her and we looked at the pictures from the body book. Um, mum showed us a picture um, of a sperm and an egg. And the next came the picture of a pregnant woman. And so mum explained to me that the sperm and the egg connect. They make a baby. Ta-da! <laughs> Um, of course, like any childhood memory, this one's a bit fuzzy, but I do remember my mum never mentioning the word sex, um, had zero idea what she was talking about. And my cousin later told me that if you put your tongue in somebody's mouth, that's sexy. <laughs> there you go. Um, but then she, she teases it out a little bit and she says, so with that limited information, we're actually hoping that people will be able to um, you know, understand and celebrate our God-given sexuality and develop happy and healthy and pleasurable sexual relationships and accept and love our bodies and... And so it's it's a really complex topic, and so it's just yeah one that God has grown this kind of weird willingness to speak into. But so you you and I have talked previously, and you mentioned um, in that conversation this idea of shame and how central that is related to to mm. to sex and our sexuality. Um, what have you found helpful for people if shame is just their everyday reality? when it comes to this area, be it because of something done to them or something they've chosen to do. Um, yeah. How have you seen the Lord deal with that either, you know, in your life or the lives of others? I think the go-to answer is pray about it. And whilst that is also my answer um, and the best option, um, God doesn't actually resolve what you're feeling mm. or what if God is saying, no, wait, I need you to process this a little bit more. Or what if you're not getting the answer that you want? And that's like prayer in every situation, right? Not necessarily just shame. Um, but I think uh, by surrounding yourself with uh, with godly people who will also speak God's words and truth and hope and life and love 
into your life, I think that helps as well. And then there's also professional help. There is there are some wounds that whilst Jesus can fix everything, there are there are some wounds, lots of wounds that need to be hashed out and need to be talked through. And so I would encourage people to invest in um, in having those conversations with with trusted people. Um, and Voskamp, who's an American preacher and author, she has she has this catchphrase that says, "Shame dies when stories are told in trusted places." Ooh, I love that. Mm. Yeah, we've been mulling on that for a, a while now. Of just there's the confession to God and there's the relationship with God, but then there's also um, okay. I'll give you an example. So if um, if I have an issue with pornography. I can apologize to God and I can repent, but it's a lot easier for me to do that and then fall back into that sin than having to say to my husband, I'm sorry, I've done it again. And so I think there's that, the shame dies, but there's also that harder process through repentance with someone as well. So. No, I think that's a great point. I think it's a, I think it's a great point. And Which is why we're made to love God and love others, right? You live in community and that's how we were created. So. That's right. And the the reality of sexual intimacy being reserved for the strongest covenant between two human beings that, that they can make. And just to think of, you know, how, how powerful is that gift of sex that God has given to men and women? How powerful is that, that it requires these bonds of, you know, these bonds of, of, of covenant where you're forced to work out mm. these desires in the context of a, of a, of the, the, the most intimate community. Right. Um, and, and then, yeah, I, I, I know that, um, you know, I had my own thoughts about, you know, growing up with the pornography addiction and, and having all sorts of, you know, my own failures in that area. And, I remember thinking in my head, okay, well, this was sort of, this has been my reality. And then all of a sudden you're married and you, and, and you get to watch somebody else try to process mm. that history and you see, oh, wow, this is, this doesn't just, this isn't just my little secret thing. It's over here. It's, this is actually, this, this has an impact on, on, on others and on me. And, and so, yeah, I'm just trying to affirm, I think, I think there is that beauty in sharing a story in a safe place in a trusted place that mm. part of that confession that that really allows the shame to allows the shame to come off and because it's in that community you can also find the the echo of forgiveness and that echo of of grace and yeah. and reception right mm. Mm. and we serve a good good god and he's one who's able to break strongholds um may not happen in the three weeks that we spend together, but um, it could. You know, God has, has done much stranger things and more powerful things. So. so how have you been preparing for these these three weeks you're going to spend with us? Yeah, so I've done um, a lot of reading, uh, listening to a lot of podcasts, and just really spending time in God's Word and seeking His heart for what He wants to share. So um, some of it will be about how to live out a life. So the first week is focused on how to um, live God-honoring lives in a sex-saturated world. Um, when it's everywhere, how do you actually work through it and, and fight through it, I guess, um, to be in the world and not of the world? I thought I said that backwards. No, 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 you said it right. <laughs> um, um, and, then, and then we'll start looking, the second week we're going to look at things like how do you have that biblical model or biblical framework of making good sexual choices and 
um, and just the complications that obviously comes with that. Um, but it's, yeah, creating a safe space is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And so I, um, I want it to be a space where people feel like they can come. They don't need to divulge everything or anything if they don't want to, but it's just, um, you know, feeling like you are loved and you are welcome here. And we're going to talk about something that's really complex and, and can be emotional and um, it's something I'm really comfortable about talking about, but you not you might not be comfortable in hearing um, so I would, I don't know, encourage people just to have an open mind and to lean into God and um, and come with an open heart of, hey, he he might have something to, to share with you. And if they come on the night, what would you say to somebody who's maybe on the fence, someone who might be feeling a bit vulnerable about hearing this or even just being in a room where it's being discussed? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how would, you, how would you encourage that person? Um, so we're going to have a team of intercessors there on, on each night and so uh, I would encourage you to chat to someone if you if you want to talk to them if you want prayer um, if you need to leave the room that's also okay if you need to sit there in tears that's okay I could just want it to be a feel whatever God is letting you feel kind of space and and so then in that there's a responsibility on all of us right to help create that space for the, for everybody else um, I my husband's very supportive of me um talking through this as well so he's he's happy for me to come and have dinner with you and to and to you know spend that extended time and just um to because I know it's it's it might be weird having someone outside of your church who's who's coming to share on this but um sometimes that's easier and sometimes it's I'm a little bit more removed and um and I can hopefully be that outside voice that is happy to talk through things with you we're also going to have um a couple of QR codes on the night so there'll be an option to submit um, anonymous prayer points so if you're feeling like you know I really need help in this space but I could never talk to anybody about it um, then you're welcome to fill that out and that will go straight to um, to our team um, I also have a, um, a beautiful community around me and so they um, they've agreed to to pray for you as well um, so you've got an army that's supporting you um, and uh, the other QR code yeah we'll go to questions that we can answer in that that final week that's awesome I think it's great and I, I'm with you on that. Sometimes it's easier someone who's a little more removed, you know, if you, if you need to have a conversation about something really practical <laughs> in the sexual sphere and you just need, you need a sounding board who's, who, who you can trust, you might not want that to be the person that you're serving on the morning tea roster with next week. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put that on anybody, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I could envision that, that it might be helpful. Um, what I'm hearing you say, Brie, is that, that you're really keen to start a conversation mm. and to really help, help the church maybe think through some of these things. Um, I wonder if, if you might say something, is there a word that you have for Christian men or, or, you know, maybe a young man, why, why might he want to come and, and hear a married Christian woman talk about, Mm. uh, about a topic like this? What do you think's in, in store for someone in that camp? Mm, Yeah. Great question. Um, I am really hoping to share, um, share God's heart for women um, and and he may not have heard that before. Um, mm. So the way that treat, Jesus treated women in every single interaction was to restore um, mishpat and zedekah, so righteousness and justice, and to just you know honor them and to restore their dignity. And um, and I know that in the kind of sexual sphere, um, sexual sins stick 
a whole lot more than any other sin. Um, and so, yeah, that's my heart to share that they um, that they would hear that this is the way that Jesus actually wants you to treat women as well. It's not just something that you can observe him do. It's something that is expected of you as well. Well, Bray, thank you so much for giving us a bit of an overview and giving us a bit of an insight into what's what's coming up. What do you think you're most looking forward to about spending some time with us? Uh, I just love getting to know people so um, and hearing people's stories. And I think there's a lot of power and a lot of, um, you know, there can be a lot of joy in sharing even the heartache with each other of just knowing that we're in this messy, crazy world together um, and you're not alone um, and I'm not alone. And so I think that, you know, just enjoying community with you is what I'm really looking forward to too. Well, we really enjoyed having you uh, on this podcast today. Thank you so much again for coming. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So that's uh, Brie Bond. She's going to be joining us on the 8th, the 15th, and the 22nd of October in our night service to talk about reclaiming God's good design for sex. For Arden Beach, this is Jonathan Hoffman saying thank you for listening to This Week at Windsor. We look forward to seeing you next time.